Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm. Damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Well, welcome back to Age Like Milk. I am your host, Paris Herbert Taylor, and this is the podcast where we talk about films that have uh, aged like milk over time in the mind fridge of your mind. And joining me today is my wonderful co-host, David Sigourney Rogers. <laughs> um, we have a great uh, movie to discuss today, David. What movie are we discussing? We are discussing the classic Alien, 1979, Ridley Scott, It's a Banger. Yeah, it's the perfect movie to watch post Valentine's Day. It's got everything. It's got love. It's got <laughs> really not my first choice for a Valentine's Day movie. And actually, so mad when you said this was the movie we we're going to be doing. Um, but we have a wonderful guest joining us today, which who I will introduce in just a second after I quickly tell you the synopsis of this film. So, not a horror person. Um, Alien is the story of a very small crew on a very large ship who gets a distress signal um, when they're on their way back to home and they go check it out and uh, this alien infiltrates their ranks even though there's like a quarantine which we all know about quarantine you got to take it serious <laughs> and they don't and as a result um, this alien boards their ship and basically hunts them down one by one until spoiler alert Sigourney and a cat are the only ones to get away from the ship and we will go into it, but we do have a wonderful guest today. Um, his name is Leo Brady. Leo, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is fantastic. Woo! Leo, tell us who you are. Yeah, I'm uh, Leo Brady. I am a film critic in Chicago. I'm a member of the Chicago Indie Critics Film Group. Uh, we are a voting body in the city of Chicago of collected film critics, and I write for uh, my website, which is a movieguy.com. And I also do interviews and cover film festivals, all sorts, all things movies. And yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, living in Chicago, it's uh, zero degrees today, <laughs> which yeah. is like fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been doing, uh, I've been a film critic for the last eight years and it's been a lot of fun and i've just recently been uh an approved rotten tomatoes critic which is you know oh nice a big a uh, big accomplishment for me and yeah. uh it's exciting that is That's exciting huge. well yeah. we're, we're thrilled to have you um on the show obviously you're our first critic which is you should feel very special um <laughs> yeah, I do. because we do live in la which is the land of people who think that they know stuff about movies um <laughs> yeah. so to have someone that's actually you know, a bona fide critic is amazing. Um, Paris so, only wanted you on here because she has a movie that she worked out coming out and she wants you to, <laughs> to be nice to them. No, <laughs> I think he should be real and hopefully it's still good. Um, <laughs> listen, yes. art is subjective. Yeah. Even if you hate it, I won't care. So <laughs> yeah. um, it's not my movie. I just worked on it. But uh, you actually, speaking of, you know, movies that you've reviewed, people that you've met. Uh, let's jump into the director of Alien 1979. The director is, of course, Ridley Scott. Um, and Leo, you have a story about Mr. Scott. Yeah, when um, back in, oh man, I'm forgetting what year it was. I think it was 2018 when Alien Covenant was released. Um, they For South by Southwest that year, they did a anniversary screening of Alien and showed a quick preview and a little bit of a clip 
of what was to come in Alien Covenant. So for celebrating it, they had um, Ridley Scott, uh, Michael Fassbender, Danny McBride, and Catherine Waterston there for the whole event. And a movieguy.com was able to cover the entire event on the red carpet. So we interviewed awesome. Ridley Scott and Michael Fassbender, Danny McBride, and it was fantastic. I mean, it's one of the, <laughs> one of the, it's the like fifth biggest moment of my life after, you know, my wedding and the birth of my son, things <laughs> right. of that nature. But um, yeah, five, it was, not bad. Yeah. So it's, you know, uh, we interviewed Ridley. We talked about his career, his work, you know, the, the crew that he's worked with since we're about to talk about his directing style and everything. Um, and uh, yeah, his professional attitude and his approach to how he makes these movies is always pretty fascinating. So totally. Well, let's yeah. talk about how this movie came about with him. Uh, let's talk about him as a director for 1979. My understanding um, from watching uh, The Beast Within, The Making of Alien, was that he hadn't done too many movies when this when this was kind of happening. Yeah, correct. It was actually only his second film after The Duelist. And The Duelist is, you know, a um, sort of two-hander, two guys fighting during the Napoleonic Wars. Very much a, like, Barry Lyndon kind of old-school film. He was, you know, he says in a lot of these documentaries, he says he was, like, the fifth asked director to take on this film mm -hmm. and for him it was you know probably make or break for his career so I think like he kind of viewed it as his Super Bowl of, of movies to make and um, you know some would say he did he did right by that because he's had a very long career after the fact but yeah what a, what a way to come out of the gates with <laughs> a movie like this that led to what a whole franchise was there five total movies? Yeah. Um, if you're not including Alien versus Predator. Predator, movies, yeah. yeah. But, and, then <laughs> yeah. and then he might do one more, right? He might do a third, like a yeah. prequel. Yeah, there's been an announced uh, TV show on FX, uh, which they're supposed to do in 2021 or 2022, I believe. But And with the merger with Fox and Disney, there's a whole bunch of like back and forth of whether he's going to be able to finish the his newest newest trilogy but um but yeah so he was kind of a, an unknown he directed a lot of commercials he was a commercial director he had gone to the royal college of art and he's a phenomenal drawer doing hand drawings and artists and things of that nature but um yeah he really had never worked on a, a massive blockbuster of this scale um even though, you know, for the time it was made for nine or $10 million, I think was the final total. So yeah, he had a lot to prove. That's for he, sure. He, um, speaking of him being visual, I, I did see in the documentary that we were talking about today for this film, he very heavily like storyboarded. So he had a very clear vision of what he kind of saw coming into this. And then, I mean, I, this could be just my takeaway from the documentary. It seems like he did have to really fight for the vision throughout the making of the film. Yes, 100%. Uh, especially from the standpoint of, of using the actual alien itself created by H.R. Giger, uh, who, you know, if you've ever looked at his artwork, it's very like sexual and weird 
and strange. He seems like a very interesting character, Guy. Yeah. I, I read a story that he got stopped in an airport because of some of his pictures <laughs> and uh, from this movie from Alien. And yeah. they were like, where do you think I got these? Where do you think I would have taken these? Are you serious? <laughs> right. <laughs> like they thought security thought they were actual pictures. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and as you said, Paris, I mean, he had to fight. He had to fight for everything, for the budget, for extra, you know, product, extra effects extra blood extra things to use because the people at fox were like no we don't want to do this they they wanted to kick giger off the set at first point you know in the beginning and then is that because he was such an odd human that was like afraid of the light he talks very he talks a lot about how he doesn't like sunlight i'm like is this guy a vampire what the fuck because you don't do opium in the sunlight oh right (laughs) (laughs) makes sense Yeah. (laughs) yeah Yeah, I mean, he was just strange. And I think like the Fox people, when they saw those pictures that he had, like the art that he had drawn and they were offended by it, you know, in many ways. But Ridley Scott fought and said, this has to be the alien. This has to be the creature we use because it needs to put fear into the audience and it needs to stick out, you know? And I think that's what it does. My takeaway from Ridley Scott, and like, I'm a big fan of his, like, uh, even though I, again, I hated you guys for being like, let's watch Alien. I was like, oh, it's going to be so scary. And like, I actively avoid scary movies, uh, David knows. But um, something I loved about Wrigley, uh, Ridley, like from watching these documentaries is he's so involved at the granular level too. Like as much as he fights for his people and his budgets and his like, you know, his vision, like he also is cool to get down and dirty. And there was this great um, thing that he was talking about. So the eggs, so that these guys get off the planet which is a stupid. And I literally wrote down in my notebook as I was watching this film, I was like, okay, rule of thumb, do not touch the eggs. If you find (laughs) an alien cave and you see some eggs, you don't like hover over them. You're not like, yeah, this is a great idea. I love this idea for me. Kane's character. Yeah. He went by himself. Yeah. He went by himself. That's what I wrote down. I was like, dude, you you need to go down there by yourself. over this fiberglass. Well, okay. So anyway, he hovers (laughs) over this egg and then this thing comes out and like it sucks his face and then eventually we'll get into it. But, um, In the making of this film, uh, Ridley was talking about how they made this egg because like so much of this is practical effects and we're going to talk about it later, but like it was his hands inside the eggs um, wearing rubber gloves. And I thought like not every director would be like, yeah, you know, put me in coach. They'd be like, get the extra, you know, but Mm -hmm. he was like, this is my movie. This is my vision. I'm here for it. And I I think that makes me like really respect him. I don't know. Wasn't it like cow intestines too? In yeah, there with his yeah. Hand. there was yeah. a tribe. Yeah. yeah, sheep guts and things. Yeah, <laughs> smelly, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, that's actually a great uh, thing you brought up, Paris. I mean, because he, uh, I, I saw in one of the documentaries as well that he, like, shot 80% of the film. By himself. They basically credited him as, like, he, he, he more or less could be credited in every, like, cast, you know, everything, every part of the cast, like, production, obviously cinematography you know graphic arts uh, you know special effects he's involved in all of it so yeah. it's like <laughs> he more or less helped shoot the film you know every angle every vision that you're seeing on the screen are decisions that go through him so i think like he's it, not he's an auteur right like he, he's an auteur and the buck stops there with him yeah And, and listen, like, I think he's very charismatic. I think he is a great storyteller, both visually and, you know, I I feel like this is a great segue to talk about like the cast that he uh, assembled. Um, So let's talk about it. We've got 
what are now heavy hitters, but I think at the time, I know Sigourney Weaver was not very well known. This was her first uh, pretty much lead role. She was, I believe she was in a Woody Allen movie that she actually turned down because she was mm-hmm. doing some stuff off Broadway. Mm-hmm. And she was like in the final scene as like Woody Allen's girlfriend or something like that. Oh. No lines. And then, yeah, she did this, but uh, Ridley had to fight for her too as well because they kept going back and forth. They uh, they wanted uh, Lambert's character, Veronica Cartwright read for yeah. uh, Ridley multiple times. And mm-hmm. Helen Mirren read for Ridley. <gasps> Ripley. Yeah, yeah, I actually was watching a master class of hers, Helen Mirren's last week. And she was like, yeah, she started talking about Alien and how she read for it. And she loved the script because um, all the names could go either way. Right. Um, you know, right. Ripley, Dallas, Lambert, Kane, Ash, it could be a, a man or a female. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think I think uh, the history of like John Hurt coming yes. into play is like, also fantastic. Where do, you, original- do you want to tell that story, Leo? It's a great story. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm forgetting the name of the original actor, but I, and I, I'm actually forgetting. No, it's it's uh, wasn't it? Uh, it was someone with a Pope? similar name, John Finch. John Finch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And John Finch had like had like a seizure or a heart attack or. I think it turned out, I mean, in the documentary I was watching today, and again, like things could have changed since then, but in the documentary I was watching today, on his first day of shooting, he looked really sick and it turned out he had diabetes, but they didn't know at the time. Okay. So he was basically like, his body was like liquefying into sugar or whatever the fuck happens to you when you have diabetes. You're right, right. And correct. So like, and then they basically were like, all right, we've got to get somebody else. So Ridley Scott drove to John Hurt's house (laughs) <laughs> and told him like, hey, I need you to play this role. And obviously the rest is history because his performance and his actions with the chestburster scene, everything is, yeah. you know, yeah. cinematic history. And, um, but everybody, yeah, I mean, you know, Veronica Cartwright that we talked about before, like we did, we talked about witches um, earlier in like our podcast history. She's yeah. got like a freaky role in that. Like obviously Sigourney can still get it. Like she's hot as hell. <laughs> we love her. Yeah. Um, that's what they were kind of looking Cartwright. for too yeah veronica cartwright, yeah, veronica cartwright was in alfred hitchcock's birds she got attacked by birds in that right. movie so she kind of has had a history of getting beat up on camera which is unfair so can i just <laughs> say that i knew before i knew that ian home was gonna be a bad man because in the hobbit he has that scene where his eyes flash and i was like uh, you cannot yeah. trust this man <laughs> and god damn it i was right um for those that yep. haven't seen it huge spoiler but turns out he's like an ai robot and i was like i fucking knew it like when he was bad i was like i knew it he's got which this- is great there's so many great parts with him and it's after you rewatch it knowing that he was an android the whole time you're looking for like all right show me mm-hmm. um you know he at the first dinner table he doesn't really eat and then he mm-hmm. chews on something the second time they're eating um he does a stretch when ripley goes and confronts him after that alien was pulled off and he's um ash is looking at what the alien's made of that uh face sucker and he like stretches and he like does a little fake cough like he's kind of nervous and that like i'm so i'm looking at all these things the second third time i'm watching it and it's so like realistic that the whole time they probably like just play it as a human and then we're gonna say that you're just an android so i thought Um, that was amazing an interesting story about Sigourney um, on set is that I I was listening in this documentary that she felt very lonely during the shooting of this film. I don't know if you guys saw something like that. Like, you know, she was young. She wasn't invited to see the dailies, which is kind of 
fucked up and kind of leads to what we want to talk about next. But um, also Yafet Koto, who plays Parker, was encouraged to like annoy her in between takes. And like they Ridley Scott was kind of like pitting them against each other to build the tension there. Um, so I don't know, just like having been on a set recently, I was thinking about Sigourney and like how much of a mental toll this film must have taken on her and like the huge burden it was to be kind of essentially the heroine of this film and very very much like carrying this film like as we know she yeah. carried the franchise so i read that she felt like she was out of place mm. um she comes like her dad was the head of nbc for a time her grandpa was well off in california and you know she's coming from new york and her background that she felt a little out of place like you know maybe she shouldn't be there or whatever even though you know she was perfect for the part and they fell in love with her uh, when she first walked in the room Yes. Um, but yeah, it's lucky I got this booty sweat back in the <laughs> neck. Um, sorry, drinking an alcoholic kombucha because I'm so LA, cannot deal with myself. Um, speaking of LA people, uh, yeah, no, I thought the casting of this was just incredible. I mean, it's a, such a tight cast, it's seven people. I mean, that yeah. was one thing I wrote down originally. I was like, seven crew for this huge ship, like, okay, whatever. Yeah, um, you see, they uh they wanted Meryl Streep to come in for this part. No. But her uh, like significant other, like she just did Deer Hunter and they wanted her to come in for this. And her significant other was like at stage four lung cancer or something like that and was passing away. So Ridley Damn. thought it would be, you know, uh, insensitive to reach out to her for this. Yeah. I would say like this movie in some ways is a little bit play-like. Um, obviously, like it's a very contained situation. I felt like when I was watching it, the dialogue felt very you know, heightened dramatic. I mean, it's a style, uh, but it, it obviously like was each of the characters, each of the actors, like probably had such a great time making this movie because each of the characters was so fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a family, you know what I mean? It's a family situation. And I think uh, you talk about, you know, Ridley kind of pushing the buttons, you know, having Yafet Koto like mess around with Sigourney Weaver that, and I wonder what, cuts the two of you watched when you rewatched this film because i watched the cut that was on hbo max that's so, the one i watched I, I okay. did as well. and and i was shocked because i believe the director's cut has the scene where veronica cartwright's character slugs sigourney weaver and in this version on hbo max she off. doesn't she doesn't slug her there's no. like there's, there's a the director's a, cuts on hbo max as well Oh, it like is? A, okay. Yeah, Maybe I I'll almost started watching it and um, I went back to another scene just because I wanted to kind of compare was, that computer sure. screen. I thought I saw the slap, but maybe I didn't. Um, yeah. well, but I, I mean, want, do you think it's the censorship of like not showing the violence or? I, I don't think so. I, I think the director's cut has it and the theatrical cut didn't have it. Mm. But what's crazy about it is, is that dynamic of this cast is like, Ridley kind of did a lot of things to make the action work. You know, everybody talks about the chestburster scene and having everybody be surprised at, at the things that are going to happen. And, you know, the rumor is that Ridley told Veronica Cartwright, like, hey, these takes aren't working. I need you to just go in there and like get her or, oh, or shock her with your action. And, you know, it kind of is that fine line of the things that were done to get the right shot and to make yeah. it look authentic, make it look real. And um, I don't think that happens necessarily as much anymore, but I know like no. 
you know, Alfred Hitchcock was notorious for tormenting his actors. I mean, Roman Polanski did fucked up shit. Um, moving on. Um, yeah. But well, yeah. And, and I think it was like, again, it goes back to sort of, um, you know, the tight knit group collected of actors that were all working together. And I think they all kind of, you know, whenever you watch these interviews, it's it's like they're telling their battle stories of making yeah. that. I mean, this was originally like a three hour runtime and they had really? to chop it up. Yeah, there's a scene that they cut that I watched today on YouTube where uh, Dallas is actually cocooned oh, and yeah. another yeah. cast member is cocooned. Yeah, and then Ridley goes in there and she's like, what's going on? I got to get you out of here. And Dallas is just like, kill me, kill me. <laughs> and then she torches the whole place. So that's like a five minute scene Damn. during her escape. Yeah, when it's just her and they cut they cut that out too. Yeah. I need yeah, to go yeah. check that out. That sounds good. Um, yeah. So Sigourney obviously plays this like badass. Uh, like I love her, and I've I've read a lot about like how she was kind of uh, like a, such a powerful woman character for young women in sci-fi, and just you know she's just a badass. Like especially in 1979 when we still had a lot of like issues, and I mean we still do now with gender equality. She's kind yeah. of a figure of strength of. Uh, yeah just like leadership but let's talk about something that we all kind of were just sort of throwing around in the beginning before we started recording um the undermining women the undermining women the women's leadership the heroism let's talk about it so i i just want to ask like your thoughts paris on what is undermining women because i have one of the main reasons i wanted this movie is because of um sigourney weaver's role and being, you know, the heroism of a female lead. Yeah. And I looked back um, because I'm trying. I was trying to think. You know, we we talk about we need more women in these kind of roles, and we do have some, and there are few and far in between. And now we're getting more and more, which I love because um, they're all great movies. Um, but like it was Foxy Brown in 1974 with Pam Greer, and then you had Princess Leia in 77 with Carrie Fisher and then Ripley comes along in 79 and she and some of the articles I read like she birthed the female action hero I mean she had action figures of her and this kicked off this whole franchise because of what she did but as far as like in your in the movie and the dialogue what did you think how was she undermined yeah I think it comes um mainly from um Ash to be honest with you I, I think it's really noticeable when you know, the, the team goes off the ship um, and they come back and they've brought this guy who's a face sucker on. So like, again, I have a big problem. Like I would be like, yeah, you can just hang out in quarantine for a hot yeah. second. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's all good. You'll be fine. Um, and uh, Ash goes down and he like physically opens up the doors and, he, you know, the guy in quarantine is telling him like, open the door, open the door. But the rule is, and she says it when they're off the ship, I am in command. And she's actually third in command, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's right. Dallas and Kane then her. Right. But Dallas and Kane go off the ship. So yep. she's now technically in command. So I think when we find out that Ash is an Android, it becomes clear that it wasn't necessarily him undermining a woman but like for the first half of the film i'm like why is this guy like fucking (laughs) not listening to her and she's obviously very capable and she's obviously very like intuitive and she's very you know she's been trained for this she's third in command of a crew of seven you know um so there was that um and then i think towards the end uh with parker you know obviously it's a completely different situation because there's a fucking alien on the on the ship (laughs) but like he kind of screams at her and like you know, he's freaking out. And I think, I don't necessarily think the film was like trying to say something 
big about like women, but maybe it was like, she comes out triumphant. Everybody's always like second guessing her. She knows what the fuck she's the one that survives. So that was kind of my takeaway as a woman. Now they say, I do definitely agree with um, second guessing her Mm. um, because Dallas did it. And he's like, what are you talking about? We just want to get the hell out of here. I'm going to let Ash, Ash is a science officer, anything having to do with that, it's going to him. You know, he's getting frustrated, but as far as yeah, Ash, his main objective was for the company. Yeah. Right? Which we find and out like later bring, on later. Yeah. And he wants to bring that, that species, that specimen home so they right. can do whatever they want. Make but money when you, when you put and him then, and Dallas together, you're like, why is every man on this ship? Like not listening to her, you know? Yeah. And she's, and then, she's right the whole time. But she's then right the Parker too, um, Parker's character. Um, he's just an asshole from the start. As yeah. soon as he wakes up him and uh, what's his name? Brett are, yep. are yep. asking about, money and they want their fair shares and the whole time they're like why do we get half shares and they get full shares and then there's that cool scene with ripley she's like idiots by law you guys are required a full share and then they kind of shut up and then you know so he was giving shit to dallas because he was the main he so it was with parker it was authority whoever was in that authority position that's who he was giving shit to it just i think it just felt like a pile on a little bit like you know and she's kind of sitting in there and she's like well, even actually with um, Nancy Cartwright's, oh, sorry, Veronica Cartwright, Nancy Cartwright is from The Simpsons, um, <laughs> Lambert, the character Lambert, yeah. you know, yep. she, when he's in the vents and she's kind of thing and he, the guy's yelling at her like, are you sure? Are you sure? And so I think it just felt a little bit like these dudes in space be given women shit. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. hey man, yeah. you know, but at the same time, it's like, <laughs> you know and we'll get in i'm sure we can chat about it quickly but the diversity like was pretty you know for two guys to five men like obviously i'd like to see an equal split but it was like pretty representative probably of even what the space program is like now so right. yeah I, I would also like to see uh more minority androids yeah <laughs> <laughs> leo what did you, leo what did you think about like the role of sigourney as like a leadership figure in you know in this film yeah, I mean, I think like her her um, her character development is uh, organic in that process. I feel like you're 100 percent correct, both of you, that it's they are undermining her the whole way. And I I was gonna bring up Lambert's character because you know Veronica Cartwright's character is also it shows like. I, again, I don't want to use the word cattiness. That's the wrong word, but it shows that how women can even like butt heads against each other when it's not in the right interest for, you know, the crew. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, and and I think like Ripley's character is constantly saying the right things, doing the right things, following the right procedures. And that is, human aspect of all of these people continues to get into the way whether it's ego uh android you know following directive uh you know the two blue collar workers in you know brett and parker who are kind of misogynistic towards her and you know talk you know have sex talk kind of innuendo talk yeah, about <laughs> yeah. yeah and and how how dallas's character is kind of afraid to 
stand up for her and, and speak for her and allow her to be the leader that she is. Yeah, I, he, I think, he kind of he kind of submits to like the boys club. Like, oh, well, he's he's the science officer or like blah, blah, blah. It's and he, Dallas wasn't listening to yeah directive and Sigourney's just playing like, wait, hold on. We got to do this, but this is how the book goes. Why aren't we going by the book? And that's right. all she's going with, right? It's not like she's saying, no, everybody do it my way. This is what she learned. This is what she's in that position for. And she's just saying, these are the rules of so, whatever we're doing. And, and then and Dallas is even it, saying, no, let me in. And you, she's you like, talk oh, about this is moment, Yeah, you talked about the moment where like the, she's like arguing with Parker. I think like that is like this epic moment of her asserting herself and saying, will you shut up, Parker? Like she just tells him to shut up. And it's like, and he's like, go ahead, talk, talk. And it's like this moment of like, I, everything I have said to do, you all should have listened to me. Well, let's talk about killing it. We know it's using the air shafts. Will you listen to me, Parker? Shut up! Because basically the moral of the story is if you follow the directives, you will survive. Yeah, and Don't she was being be nice up to that point. Like <laughs> she was, I thought she had, you know, showing those leadership qualities when she was getting into Ash mm. uh, about, you know, the alien. And then she's she's just playing it kind of cool though. She's like, yeah, but you went against quarantine and you put everybody at risk. And then, yeah, uh, he, what do you say? Uh, yep. Maybe I jeopardize all of us, but that is a risk I was willing to take. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, okay. Very arrogant. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's just, so that was kind of my feeling. I mean, I think Sigourney is such a, such a badass in this. And like, I, even though I was like so mad at you guys for making me watch it and I was so scared, (laughs) I was like, I mean, part of me was like, I need to see these movies to understand film history because I think Sigourney really fits in to it. Um, but yeah, so that's Sigourney and women. Let's talk about, Okay, this is my first impression when we started watching um, 1979 Alien. I'm like, is that really what they thought spaceships would look like in 1979? Like spaceships that could go light years away. Like, what is this computer? Like, let's talk about like the physical technology that we see (laughs) inside the spaceship. Yes, yes. Okay, I get what you're saying, especially Mother with all the little uh, lights, dots and stuff like that. And I kind of, Leo, I kind of wanted to compare some of this to uh, Prometheus as well, because that was pretty cool. But um, so Paris, for me, just that ship, that the Nostromos, right, that they're on, that's a, yeah, that's like a, just a hauling ship so that's not going to look glamorous or anything like that they're just carrying like uh mineral ore from one spot to another yeah, so that's but, probably going to look like something but similar still, to that. it's still funny it's so 80s like where she like <laughs> where they push like the buttons and they like light up and stuff and we were watching it and they go into like yeah the womb or whatever the belly of mother and there's like lights and and like buttons all around them like all with around different the chair codes. looks like an egg yeah. and literally we were watching it and scott goes in 2020 that would be an iphone i was like (laughs) you know like all this shit it's just funny and then you you look at the computers like uh it's just like the graphics are so crap like so 80s um when like computers were just this like otherworldly thing it's like all those zeros and ones um when he's in the (laughs) vent they don't have like any kind of like video. It's just two blue dots, like beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. And then they get closer and closer and it's a grid. And she's like, ah, so, I mean, that has aged like milk. Come on, the technology has moved so far ahead. 
Yes, yeah, some of it, but I think I still think a lot of it holds up. I'll give you like the mother with all the the, the white little uh, Christmas lights because <laughs> uh, you look at uh, Paris. There's a uh, you'd probably dig this movie too. Um, it's a, a prequel, right? It's kind of where like these engineers came from, the ones that created the aliens, and mm. in that um they have like this 3d like virtual model of you know that they can have these drones go put together and then um this is like 200 years after prometheus basically and then mm -hmm. they got mother with a bunch of white christmas lights in a in a room so yeah right. <laughs> um yeah, yeah i don't know i was just i was just dying um over the technology which looked like yeah i mean it's funny because we like have sci-fi movies now and it, it will be funny to see in like, you know, 60 years, what actually, what it actually looks like. You know, I just think it's, I know spaceships now are not super crazy. I mean, sometimes like you see like the, what's left of this like NASA shit that comes to earth and it looks very fucking basic. It looks, you know, right. so anyway, that was just something that I thought was funny. The mother thing. I'm also think it's funny that we had mother because it's very like um 2001 space odyssey like i can't let you do that hal like in in all these sci-fi movies they have this thing that talks back to them and i guess my comparison is that we have siri so yeah yeah We're yeah i mean and i i always haven't viewed it as aging uh terribly because i've always view it as something that is supposed to be aged like it's it's supposed to be this torn down, like David was talking about, broken down like technology that is just becoming obsolete or not working anymore. And I think in that regard, if you're thinking like it's this futuristic time where the technology is just fading or the technology is just not being upgraded anymore or changing, maybe it works in that regard. But you are 100% correct that mother would be surrey and yeah or alexa which or my, alexa my yeah. mom would be like did you want something because she's in the well and again me. in that regard it was like ahead of its time was it not it's like yeah, more I or suppose. less had been predicting where we would be headed in terms of having talking, talking to the computer yeah. giving it yeah. a girl's name exactly yeah, yeah. so i mean it uh, is uh yeah um but you know what was very impressive about this film was the practical effects and to some extent the VFX. But let's talk quickly about the practical effects in this movie. So yeah. um, one of my favorite things, which I touched upon, was obviously like the egg. Um, yeah, it was Ridley Scott's hands inside this like fiberglass thing with a light behind it. And he's just like making a butterfly with his fingers with sheep's intestines on top that they pulled through um and the other thing that i love is when um ash's head blows off and he <laughs> uh i was watching this documentary yeah. today and they said the way they made that was just milk pasta caviar and glass marbles, marbles. Uh. which is so cool <laughs> that we have things on earth that could look like alien like intestines yeah. and androids yeah. um but uh, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about the visual, uh, the the practical effects. What 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 stood out to you, Leo? Uh, I mean, all of it. I mean, I think there's so much texture in that in everything that they they do. Um, you know, we talk about the chestburster scene. I, you know, I watched in those documentaries. You watch this whole sequence where, you know, as David said, they're using like 
fish guts and things to create this like look. Um, they had said that they had like oyst oysters on set to like create the explosion and formaldehyde is what I heard. So that like when the cast got onto the set, it smelled awful. Like it was just like, cause the heat from the lighting was like heating the like fish guts. And it's just yeah, like, yeah. just like awful to hear that. And um, <laughs> I think all of those things create a texture. I mean, even, even like you, you bring up Ash's head getting chopped off. It's like, even those moments are just like, oh, that kind of looks cheap. But you're like, I like it that it looks cheap. It's like, yeah. I like it that it looks real. That it Rid looks Ridley, like Ridley Scott said he wasn't impressed with the head that came off Ian home. Yeah. And he said, like, so it was back in the day, like, I guess they didn't have as good prosthetics or whatever. The head yeah. actually shrank. So when you put it next to him, it was like slightly smaller because the rubber had like kind of constricted or whatever. Yeah. And he was so annoyed. But he also said that like, they didn't have time or money to redo it. So he's like, fuck it. And then they like, just burn it down anyway. There's yeah. a, right. there's a cut scene that uh, some of the articles I read gets a little flack from it. You know, they're trying to adjust the head. He's trying to put it down when they're trying to reboot him so they can get yeah. some information out of him. And then the head's moving around and then all of a sudden cut scene, yeah. like real choppy cut scene. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. in home. So he's yeah. like a uh, little milk like coming in, out of his yeah. jaw. Inside yeah. a table yeah. clearly or something. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, but yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of the, those practical effects. I mean, the totally. set design is like, just like gorgeous in this movie uh you know because it it all feels tangible and you're creating this atmosphere for these uh, characters to feel like they're actually in outer space and actually on a spaceship and, talking talking and, about and, geiger again he actually used organic material inside the alien ship he actually used animal bones to give uh, the yeah, effect yeah, of the yeah. set design and he said that he tried to use like fresher animal bones and then it had this stench. So then he had to like get them dried. Um, when, when you watch and he put like plaster over them and stuff, but when you watch the film, you can tell like, this is something different. It's not styrofoam. It's definitely like organic. So yeah. I agree with you about the texture. I think that's what it really le lent to the uh, film. The, the, the alien. Yeah. Alien. I was waiting for someone else hell. to bring it. They, they, the actor that was in that suit they found in a bar. He was like a six ten, lengthy guy. Yeah, yeah. a Nigerian dude. Like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Hey, man, come play this." And he, I guess he took like some motion classes so he could kind of do some of the movements. And then in between takes, he sat on a uh, swing because of his tail. They could, he couldn't just sit in a chair, so they made oh a swing God. for him. Yeah, but I mean that fucking cool ass scene at the end of it where it's like in the. Uh, kind of like in the shelves yeah and then it starts moving around a little bit and like sh shutters I was like, like, oh, shit. And yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that, it's so it's amazing. so scary and like the little mouth that comes out of it um <laughs> i mean the, i think like this is something that was like huge in star wars and in this film too like they used to not have the same technology that we have now so practical effects was huge and i know from working on a film recently that like practical effects is still a huge part of the business but like sometimes they just it's just easier to cheat it with cgi but right. for, for me as an audience member i fucking love practical effects i think that it's so special um yeah. but yes the alien the sets the glass marbles the the fiberglass like it's just 
it's just nuts what they were managed, which what they managed to pull off and what they managed to build. Um, but I did see in the documentary that that scene. So there's a scene where they land on the planet and they go into this alien spaceship, which we all know is don't do that. Um, and <laughs> there's this like there's this like alien like skeleton and it's like huge and it's like and they're like something's burst out of its chest which to me i'd be like well let's get the fuck out of here you idiots oh let's look into it more no no no, let's you know what you know what let me like just actually hover over in this mist for a minute oh there's all these eggs here let me just kick one um but that was a real set like that's not cgi they built it it costs like half a million dollars the studio was like what are you doing this is like such a brief moment but they fought for it and i think it's amazing but i Leo could touch on this more though. That plays though, because Prometheus, you see a ton more of that organic material. It's the same spaceship. The engineers actually come to life like that body you see. Uh, You see a a ton of more dead bodies like that. And then you see one that actually comes to life. So yeah, um, correct. And yeah, it's called the space jockey. It became like this like just figure. and, And in those documentaries, Fox like heads talked about like, why are we creating this massive thing to just sit there and be nothing and that again goes back to the atmosphere that they wanted to create like you said how this thing has burst out of its chest why are they not freaking out right there but it's like that creates tension and mystery and And to me that's like shut the fuck up fox executives you're not creative you don't know what the fuck you're talking about this is going to be huge wait till the audience sees that and gets that kind of response (laughs) no what the fuck are you doing don't don't touch it (laughs) i think geiger said um i think yeah he said that like people were coming around and being like no we don't need this and he was like but the audience needs to feel like it is a real movie like he's this weird he's like swedish or something his accent's like um, but yeah, so that's the practical effects. But what about the VFX, David? Well, VF- VFX was dope too. I mean, they won uh, an Academy Award for th- for that, right? Wow. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, did Ridley Scott have too much involvement with that? Does anybody know? Yeah, he did, he did, but he doesn't. He didn't get an, a, a a statue because it went to Giger and his two other, you know, VFX assistants on that. So, I mean, are uh, we sad or do we feel like Ridley Scott has enough things in his life without, you know, he, he definitely has enough things in his life, but he, he, it's odd that he still doesn't have a, an Academy award. He, right. he didn't get one for gladiator because he technically wasn't a producer on the huh. film. So, oh, so he's like he's like the Leonardo DiCaprio of, of Below direct- the Line. Got it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and there's a couple guys like that. David Fincher still doesn't have an Oscar. And did Star Wars win any kind of Oscar for? I want to say A New Hope did. Yeah. Okay. I want to say A New Hope did, but um, don't quote me at that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's definitely. Yeah, it's a worthy wait uh, so wait, wait 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 what vfx are we talking about we're not talking about the fake blue orange explosion at the end that was like just the lamest. visual visual effects i know but vi- what yeah. visual effects in this because like well i mean like i think they use a lot of like miniatures which is like uh, like was the the time and the way it was done for like spacecrafts yep i was gonna say the spaceships yeah. um okay and, and how they shot those like when they're moving Yep. all that stuff like when you see the which i i think in those documentaries they talk about how like a lot of those miniatures and a lot of the like 
uh, background stuff that they used was like reused stuff from 2000 from Stanley Kubrick's 2001. Oh, uh, interesting. And and it was you know the same process done that they did in in Star Wars. Um, so I, you know it was kind of uh, worthy of what they were doing. It may not look it may not look as great compared to today's you know spaceship scenes you know you watch a movie like gravity or the martian yeah. those movies look like it's authentic and in, in outer space but <laughs> or even even prometheus if yeah gonna, yeah yeah correct yeah. i mean and prometheus was also nominated for visual effects as well i believe oh, nice. for, for an oscar so it's kind of but it didn't win um but yeah, but it's kind of been Ridley Scott's thing to do when it comes to these alien movies that he's made. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like at the time, this was probably mind blowing, but you know, at the time that Harry Potter, the first one came out, like the Quidditch scenes were amazing. And now we look at them and we're like, <laughs> you look like shit, sir. Um, so it's all relative, right? Like, yeah, I, I wish I could get in a time machine and go back and like win an Academy Award for VFX. Cause like, I feel like I could do it with my, my skills on, on laptops probably not yeah <laughs> um but yeah okay cool well speaking of technology let's talk about the android slash robot um formerly known as ash come to be known as corporate dick fuck uh, <laughs> who is trying to kill everyone um at the expense of the alien let's talk about him what did you guys think of him you still don't understand what you're dealing with do you perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. You admire it? I admire its purity. I thought it was great, especially, as I mentioned earlier, the acting and the choices that whether it was, you know, um, his choice in home to, to keep it as human as possible and authentic or really Scott or any kind of direction he took. I just thought it was amazing. Just like these little like nuanced things that he was doing that was like, is you go back and rewatch it and put them under a microscope. And I just think it's amazing. Every, every little thing that he did and he's a robot, he's an Android. I know. I, I, again, like I saw it for the first time. So when they were talking about like how they had a different science uh, officer that was with them all the time. And then, you know, like a few days before he gets pulled and this guy comes in already. I was like, well, what the fuck? And I just, again, I just didn't trust him because in the, in the Lord of the Rings movies, he's very scary. I, I think he scared me very much as a child. So now <laughs> I'm like, don't very mistrustful, but. And the fact that they didn't let the crew know that right. he's an android in some of the other movies you know right away who the android is right. they give you that information right. well, let, well in let's back one, up though so when they wake up in the very beginning this the message is they have been delayed they they think that they're meant to be at home by the time yep. they wake up right yep yeah and they correct. can't find their system they're in the wrong system and they have this uh this message that ridley that says that it's get. not it's it's a it's a message saying stay away not to they don't, come help they don't realize it's a warning until they're on the planet though yeah yeah. they think Which, it's an sos ridley's the one that finds that out that it's a right yeah, a warning so signal is ash like we gotta go i forget yeah he presses on because um what's his name uh parker's like man we could we could talk about it that's not my contract but if uh 
you know, if we talk about the bonus situation, let's talk about yeah. the bonus situation. <laughs> we could go down there. We could do that if we could talk about the bonus situation. And he's like, hold on. Dallas is like, do you want to talk to this, Ash? And Ash is like, listen, you guys would forfeit all shares, all money if you guys don't do this. It's in your contract. If we get a signal, you guys got to go investigate no matter what. Or, you know, you you forfeit your your payment, basically. So and right. then Parker's like, all right, we're going down. <laughs> yeah. He's very upset about the shares. Yeah. Um, well, we talked a little bit about like the practical effects of it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, how he fits into the crew as an android. So he's obviously like very disobedient i guess isn't the right word but yeah he opens up the door when she's mm-hmm. like don't do that he's there he just presses the button right um, super fail safe security by the way just like hitting one single button and the door <laughs> opens great quarantine yeah. um if you've ever met a human being in your life it needs to be more complicated than that because people are mm. impulsive and stupid as we right. learned right but how does he fit in do you think like you know he seems to kind of have a camaraderie with all of them before we find out he's murderous uh yeah that's interesting i mean i think he's sneaky he's definitely sneaky from the get-go but i think um yeah and i think an interesting part is that you sort of explain away all those things it's like oh he's kind of sneaky and kind of like you were saying you can almost see that there's something about him from the get-go but at the same time you're saying yourself oh well he's the science guy he's the guy who's kind of like you know he doesn't hang out with the boys down below and he doesn't do those things so there's yeah there's always a mystery to his character from the get-go so i don't i feel like he never does sort of fit in with the group but that is his part that's like yeah he's kind of observing from afar and not laughing with the boys or not like you know chatting with the the women the way you know you would hope he would be uh he's you know he's the little guy he's the little guy that nobody sees yeah but it's it's wild too because it kind of blows your mind that all those things he was doing somebody programmed him to do that stuff Mm -hmm. and to act that way and to like he grabbed her hair and pulled it out so he has like a vicious side programmed right and he fell in love with this uh you know he what did he say it's structural perfection is matched only by its hostility when he's talking about the alien and what it's made of and you know he has like this infatuation with it so i thought all that was just um you know wild when you find out he is an android do do you think this movie would be different if he was just a guy because the writer didn't write in an android huh oh that's Um, interesting yeah i mean he he was he didn't want it to be an android he was giving him pushback a part of me would love to see like the human foibles and like the characters break down and like the the terrible things that humans can do to each other i think by making him an android kind of distances like the dangerous choices he makes or I, I mean I guess we have that in Dallas where he's like oh that's a risk I'm willing to take you know but I do think it's like funny that we're just like oh well he was an evil robot the whole time so obviously <laughs> but Ash is the one that said it was a risk he was willing to take oh I thought it was Dallas so yeah okay well Dallas still comes across pretty weak like he's like let us in you know there are yep. instances where human error causes you know, danger. I mean, I, he's I did not the greatest. Dallas wasn't the greatest leader. Yeah. I don't think. No. Well, I mean, and, and yeah, when, when, um, when John Hurt has the face hugger wrapped around his neck and Dallas is sort of making the call to actually like 
try to cut its finger, cut, you know, cut the phalange like off. You can hear, you can tell Ash is trying to get him to not do that. There's right. a little bit of like him being like, all right, it, it, it's going to be Lucky your call. I got this booty swim. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be your call if you want to do that. And, um, and Dallas does make the right decision to try and get it off. But yeah. again, everything is manipulative in its process that Ash, you know, he's just playing the strings, man. Yeah. He wants to see where it goes. He yeah. wants to see what this new species will do. And then when uh, Parker, when it busts out of his chest, out of Kane's chest, Parker like goes to like shoot some at her yeah. and he goes, no, don't touch it. And it just runs off. And I think there's a great scene after it runs off of all the cast. Like, what's just happened? I think that freeze frame would be like perfect to, to frame as a picture, like be yeah. a good gift. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, and it, but yeah, it's interesting to think that if Ash was just a human, like Paris said, I mean, I think, um, you know, we see it enough today of like dynamics of humans. I don't think, I think if it wasn't an android, it would... You know, we would be calling Ash's character a sociopath. I yeah, guess. I was going to say he if he wasn't an android, it would be like he'd lost the plot in space and he'd yeah. become obsessed with this like creature that could destroy him. But as it was, he was a corporate drone, literally. Yeah. But yeah. and it's interesting because uh, Paris, I think you should watch all these movies. But in Aliens, um, the second one that came out, there is a similar role. So the droid is now a good guy in the second one. And the mm -hmm. asshole that has the same characteristics as Ash is a human. Right? So are you doing so in the, the company's bidding? I, I will watch the second one. But so the whole time, are you like, is that yeah. a robot? Are you like asking yourself before you? Uh, no, because oh. they give you yeah, the information of who that oh, okay. android is yeah, out of the fun. gate. Because Ripley obviously doesn't trust um, any androids because uh, her experience with Ash. So they give yeah. you that kind of right away. And she's right. like, why the fuck didn't you guys tell me there's an android? Yeah. Right. 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 So. Makes sense. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry, Leo. You were going to say something. No, no, no. No. You're good? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm with you guys. Well, now it's time for the fun facts slash history segment of this movie. So uh, let's talk about some fun facts about the movie. Who has one? I know you both had some behind the scenes goodness Leo, you got it the one fun fact that i had was the was the sheep guts used in the eggs to create the eggs i yes. thought that was the fascinating nice. thing um oh the other one of the fun facts that i actually think is been talked about a lot recently uh has been how uh, dan o'bannon the writer how he basically when he wrote all these characters they were they were gender neutral. They were unisex mm. almost. Mm. And I think a lot of people have, mm -hmm. have talked about how that's kind of a, a fantastic thing for transgender, you know, um, people for, you know, the idea of this. I think it's the reason why this movie is very universal in a lot of ways that it could be anybody, any character, any gender, any role, any, you know, um, ethnicity in every character. And it works. And I think that is uh, an amazing fact. And I think that's also, you know, Dan O'Bannon, the writer, was just kind of um, a very strange dude. But it, it's <laughs> awesome that he was a strange dude because, yeah. you know, what he did create is pretty amazing. Definitely. So, um, well, I had one. 
the face hugger was originally meant to be painted green. But after they saw it unpainted on set, Dan O'Bannon thought that the human flesh tone color was better. And I think that is true because if it was green, it would feel a little bit too, um, you know, like kitschy, I think. Yeah, Uh, this definitely is scarier and makes it more realistic with the the nude or uh, skin coloring. A couple I had is that it was originally called Star Beast. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, Dan O'Bannon, after writing, he was talking, he was writing dialogue, and one of the crew members like said alien, and he's like, oh, shit, let's just call it alien. So he went with that. Um, yeah. Star Wars helped alien get made because of mm-hmm. the success of Star Wars and just having a few, you know, actors, which also helped out Sigourney Weaver, um, actors that weren't like super mainstream, mm-hmm. um, and how well Star Wars did that helped alien get greenlit. And then uh, Sigourney, we were getting that that star role. And then um, another funny one I read is that all the cast members kept passing out because of the spacesuits. Oh, no. And it wasn't until, um, so they actually brought in like a nurse or something like that with oxygen for when they passed out. And because it was so hot in there and it it wasn't ventilated and they didn't change the suits until uh, Ridley's kids got in there and passed out as well and that's when they redid the suits (laughs) holy shit um well that's that's the fact that i was actually that you just reminded me of that ridley scott's two kids were playing the roles of um dallas and and uh lambert down on the ground like that far away shot of them going towards the derelict ship is his kids in oh that's cool so it's so it's like a family affair um (laughs) i had another one which i don't i don't have a source for this but i saw it on imdb um that the blue laser lights that we used in the alien ship egg chamber were borrowed from the who because the band was testing out the lasers for their stage show in the stage next door i saw that as well very fucking cool yeah um, if that's true because those are alien and the who two huge things from that time period um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think again, like there's just so many practical effects things. Like this was the era of Jaws when they had like, you know, random shit shot in a pool. Like um, I read that they used shredded condoms for the tendons of the alien. You know, yeah. like we talked about like the sheep's guts. It's just so cool. Like what they figured out to make how, this. Yeah, how creative. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I did have a couple things. I, I want to talk about the history of this film, but I did have a couple things that I wanted to flag just for your reactions. What the fuck is with the smoking in the spaceship? You cannot do that. It's a spaceship. It's that is aged. Um, I think I always yeah. flag to David like when I see someone smoking on camera because I'm like, really? Like, okay, yeah. we just don't see so much smoking anymore unless it's a period piece. Um, right. The underwear was super weird. Um, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy seeing Sigourney in undies. I did. Yeah. But like when they get out of the sleep pod things, I'm like, what is this guy wearing? What underpants did they? <laughs> issue you in the future for this mission um, yeah. this is still a company i guess super <laughs> random um a couple times you caught some glimpses of some high top converse like shoes which yep, i was like i saw that okay, yeah i guess yeah. that's what space people wear now <laughs> um and the little drinking birds that were like in, it's like in the opening shot they're like i was yeah. like i don't know any- oh and there was wind chimes in the one scene i saw i'm like okay what like if i'm on a spaceship <laughs> And then I don't know, Scott and I were joking about like, 
you know, I know that they kind of made it feel contained, but there's one scene where they run into this room and I'm like, what is this room? And it was just like a weird room with like lots of uh, chains hanging down, clanking around. I'm like, oh, do they also uh, have like a, like a chainsaw room? Like it just felt like a horror movie where they're running from like, don't hide in here. This is yeah. where the scary clinkety clinkety ropes are. Right. Um, but yeah, that was some stuff that I had that I was like, what? is happening but uh the history of the film uh leo i think you can speak to this how does this film fit in with sci-fi as a genre how did it fit in you know with when it came out like tell us about that yeah i mean at, at the time when it had come out obviously you know there's always those there's those stories about the test audiences that you know people were passing out or running to the bathroom because they were so shocked by the chestburster scene and um, which is fantastic. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it is a movie that will, is timeless. Honestly, I, you know, I know that, that, that term might be used kind of cliche by now, but this movie, it's always interesting to look at it now, watch it again during a pandemic, during these times, the argument I always used to get in with people there's always these folks who don't like alien or don't, or, you know, uh, picket alien or Prometheus or alien covenant. And they're like, Oh, you know, the guy puts his head into the egg. He like stares into the egg. And then I'm like, yeah, but, and that may, you may think that he's being stupid, but you know, we just had thousands of fans cheering on the streets of Florida, Tampa Bay, Florida during the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, all of those like arguments that the the actions of the characters in the aliens mo alien movies are dumb are null and void during this yeah. pandemic during like these times we're in because <laughs> as as we've obviously seen humans do stupid things yeah you know? <laughs> and, and what would they say to your point leo if if he was like reaching in he's like oh shit they got gold in here. You know, any audience member wouldn't be like, why the fuck did he put his head in there? They'd be like, oh, right. dope. He found a bunch of gold. There's gold all on that ship. You know what I mean? Yeah, so right. you don't yeah. know. They base that off the information that they got later, that something uh, vicious and something harmful was in there. So that's why it's stupid. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, yeah. So I just. But also I, like getting into a vent where a guy, like when he, when the alien was like, boo, essentially. Yeah. You know, when he turned right. around. And that I thought was interesting because he, uh, Ripley was going to go and he's down yeah. he's like no no and he's like you two go over here you do that and uh, Ripley was down for it that's why I thought like Dill was kind of a bad leader and she throughout was consistent as a leader yeah so yeah I mean yeah and for all of those reasons though I just think this this movie never ceases to amaze me I've watched it so many times I watch it every year and I just think it just it never gets worse it never looks different it never doesn't I, I never see something different that I don't uh find fascinating and yeah. uh yeah I it just holds up so well within the sci-fi genre I actually think it's the most one of the more original movies it, it was mm. like originally viewed as a B movie but now you know to Monday morning quarterback it we look at all the superhero movies and how many you know everything that's come after it has been oh that's just like alien oh that you're you're doing alien you're doing what alien did it's like, yeah you know, especially that, that, with uh with something 
coming on board, like especially with these space movies in the sci-fi realm, that something yeah. got on board and now fuck, what are we gonna do? And Alien yeah. was the first one to ever do that. Yeah. yeah. Like so we have some kind of contagion or something in here running around. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, yeah. I'm biased and I'm the one who always says alien is better than aliens only because you don't, that's a chicken or the egg conversation, but you don't get aliens without alien. And what alien did was start it all well yeah. i am glad you guys made me watch it it made me realize i need to stop being such a pussy because <laughs> it was scary but it wasn't as scary as i thought because i was like okay so there's this website where like parents can like talk to each other about whether their kids should watch movies or not and oh, that's yeah. the website i went to and this nine-year-old watched it so i was like i can handle it i guess um but this is a part of the show where we give a shout out to a random crew member um david why don't you go first okay i'm going with uh lionel newman and he was the music department um and soundtrack so he's worked on stuff like shape of water um looking like beetlejuice he's got a ton of uncredited stuff Mm -hmm. where he was like the music supervisor on imdb uh did a bunch of the star wars but as i was watching it for like the fourth time today Mm -hmm. just the addition of the you know that builds up all those scenes so well and just to have these little snippets of like a you know any kind of music or song that really amplifies everything so Mm -hmm. i really appreciate uh lionel newman and uh you know he was the man and he had a great career so see you appreciate you yeah, thank you for your contribution. What about you, Leo? Who you got? Uh, I feel like I'm I'm going too high on this after David's pick. Uh, I, I my pick was Veronica Cartwright as as an actor because I think uh, she's the one who gets splattered with all the blood, and it's kind of like <laughs> she just I I always like I'm always so like fascinated that she took a beating kind of in this movie of of the treatment uh, from some of the other actors and things of that nature and she's the one who's getting hit with all like all the fluids and all the gross stuff totally have to give her credit because to go through all that and to you know to sell it all she's a legend in my eyes totally um (laughs) well i also went like above the line actually even though i do think we kind of shouted out the you know special effects and stuff I, i think that department deserves a huge clap for this film but I went with Bology Badejo. He played oh, the yeah. alien. I <laughs> this was his one and only credit. Um, he actually passed away from single cell sick, uh, sickle, sickle cell. Sickle cell, sickle yeah. Cell. Uh, yeah. but he like did this one movie, as you guys said, he was found in a bar in Soho and you know, some of these like funny comments online I was reading were like, wait, 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 wait. I want to hear more about how this six foot 10 guy got picked up in a bar by Ridley Scott. Like, Don't worry about it, you know. But um yeah, yeah, he I mean he was chosen because he was like thin and tall and like had fantastic posture. And I mean, this movie's called Alien. We couldn't we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him in some sense. I mean, there are many people that made this film amazing, but he is the thing that we're talking about. He's the title role. He's only on screen for like four minutes total or something I saw, but uh, we see you and we appreciate you. And yeah. he eventually left the UK and went back to Nigeria, I think, to open an art gallery. Um, and then he passed away from this weird disease. It sucks. But yeah. what a contribution to cinema, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But guys, so what do you think? 
Did this film age like milk? Uh, let's go with Leo, our guest. Uh, it, I, I would say it is not aged like milk. This movie is just as fresh as it gets. I mean, it never uh, slow. It, it, it's a fascinating film. It ramps up to just like slow beginnings and it just keeps going. I never stop thinking about it. I always keep reading up about it. The the details that you guys have told me today fascinate me even more. And um, I'll probably watch it again in a couple months because it's just such a fantastic uh, accomplishment. There you go. Awesome. What do you think, David? Um, I think it's gotten better with time. So like this milk has some sort of enzyme in it or they the company took the alien and broke down like its structure and its genetics, put it into the milk, put it into a weird ass fridge and it just got better because like uh we've been talking about this is the set the tone for so many like sci-fi films everybody copies what they did as far as like space um you know space thrillers all that good stuff and then one of the main reasons i wanted to do this strong female lead back in the 70s and a lot yeah. of the times our generation forgets about you know we we see a lot of women in in good roles now but we're like it's about time but there were some great monster roles that women crushed um you know before us before we came along so that was big for me so i, I love this movie i love the whole franchise i actually watched every single one except for covenant because i couldn't find it for free but i'm gonna watch it tonight awesome. <laughs> saw it in awesome. theaters but yeah haven't seen it in a while but yeah, yeah. love this movie um well i'm gonna say that the packaging of this milk was dated but the insides was still fresh so I thought this milk went off and I checked the fridge and I was like, holy shit, this, <laughs> this milk is from the eighties, the late seventies. And then I gave it a sniff and you know what? It was still good. So <laughs> that's my take. I definitely am grateful that this podcast forces me to watch movies that I wouldn't necessarily choose for myself because I am a massive wuss, but um, yeah, huge Ridley Scott fan. He's had uh, raised by, by wolves is on HBO max too. It's a fucking great show. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a big fan. So I think he's the granddaddy of of uh, sci-fi. And I still would, I'd still hit it. I saw him in this, <laughs> I saw him in this documentary, and I was like, pretty hot. I think he's got a yeah. son now, so maybe I should be going for the son. Yeah, but, Luke. Yeah, and Luke directed episodes of uh, Raised by Wolves too. So oh, you know what? The whole Scott family. And then <laughs> maybe I could get my Scott to marry one of those Scots, and he could be Scott Scott or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, well, Leo, where can people find you if they want to connect with you or see more of your shit? How can they find yeah. you? Yeah, they can read all of my reviews, watch or read my interviews all on a movieguy.com. Uh, movieguy.com. Yeah, exactly. You kind of threw it away there. So a movieguy.com. A movieguy.com. <laughs> Starts with the letter A. Um, yeah, and then on Twitter, it's uh, at Leo's A Movie Guy. And then everywhere else, Facebook, Instagram, it's just A Movie Guy. So it's all pretty simple, all uniform, easy to find. You can read my reviews. We've got uh, new reviews this week, Judas and the Black Messiah, coming out this week on HBO Max, and um, uh, plenty of other stuff. Plenty of other movie reviews are up there right now. So yeah, check it out. Awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah. yeah thanks thanks for, for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for Thank being you for here. having me. Um, sure. well, that's it for age like milk. Don't forget to check your fridge.
gross milk is gross milk. No, that's my pot, David. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Make sure that milk is taken out. There we go. Gross milk is gross. Don't worry, David, trying to steal my lines. Um, Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, We appreciate you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, I guess. All of them. All of the places. Uh, That's it. Bye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 